For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 65. It feels like a week past since I recorded with uh, the great Audrey from Don't Tread on Philly, but I got a uh, accomplice here from Don't Tread on Philly, as well as the uh, Libertarian Party. I got Mr. Mark Bazaka. How you doing, brother? Good, good. How are you? I can't believe I get to follow up uh, with Audrey. <laughs> Dude, I'm doing good, and uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation for quite a while. Um you're a uh, bad motherfucker here in the Libertarian Party, and I've always looked up to you as a kind of guy who took no shit and, uh, you know, laid down the law when it needed to be laid down. So uh, real quick, I guess we'll just kind of head it off with the, uh, you know, what kind of brought you to the uh, Libertarian Party and the Liberty Movement? Um, so Libertarian Party, I guess, uh, Liberty Movement is somewhere I've been probably most of my life. I guess I didn't realize there was a Liberty Movement until I was in like high school um but you know i'm a i'm an anarchist at heart since i was basically born yeah <laughs> you know i've been kicked out of every organization i've been a part of because <laughs> like you know i just like to do my own thing i don't like rules that don't make sense you know since i was a little kid mm-hmm. uh so yeah so i guess i've always been kind of an anarchist at heart um and then as i got older and stuff got involved in politics you know, I remember, you know, George W. going to war and stuff, and I was just like, what the hell are we doing? How does this make sense? We got, you know, we're hurting innocent people all over the place. And well, Actually, I remember George Sr. going to war, and then, you know, George W. Uh, really, really got me involved, and then the whole 9-11 Patriot Act, then it really started opening up my eyes to the, to the Libertarian Party, because I was just like, I, I got to pay attention to what's going on in the world. And these two other goofball parties have, they don't care about the people at all. So, yeah, you know, I can remember being in, I think it was first grade when 9 11 happened and seeing the videos of the uh, two towers collapsing and seeing people running all about on the news. And I was a little too young to understand the implications of that. But it seems like since then, 
um, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but it's that really was like an exponential climb downhill because right from there, you know, as soon as the Patriot came about, um, everybody was for it, but nobody realizes what would, you know, what that would later entail, you know, 20 years later, they're using that for vaccine passports and all sorts of, all sorts of other violations of our privacies. I mean, before then, I I really didn't like politicians. I didn't like mm-hmm. politics. You know, I would, you know, it was my duty to go vote since I turned 18, but I would just go write in weird, goofy names and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, dude, I got you. Yeah, the first election I would have been able to participate in, I'm not sure if I would have been able to, but uh, it was 2012, and that would have been, I want to say, Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. <laughs> and uh, that was literally on my 18th birthday. And then the first one I actually voted in was 2016 between Hillary and Trump, but I voted for Gary Johnson. But uh, even then, and even in 2020, it's like, man, is this really like the best that this country can offer is these two fucking assholes? (laughs) Like everybody fucking hates these people. They're transparently horrible human beings and they're both not going to advance liberty in any kind of meaningful way. I can understand where people might've thought Trump did, but he ultimately failed, especially in 2020. And, um, you know, I think that kind of at least piqued my interest in the Libertarian Party. And I think over this past weekend, <laughs> my, my love for the Libertarian Party was a little bit reinvigorated. Um, I think a lot of people's stamina for the Libertarian Party had kind of waned after this last year, at least here in Pennsylvania. But then after uh, this weekend, at first, it seemed like, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to go. And then, you know, about an hour later, it's like, that was oh. one weekend or what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, dude. I kept thinking, like, from the time we um, got there and went to lunch and about the time we came back, it felt like two completely separate days just because, like, the the battling that went on. So, um, oh. I mean, not that I wanted to say we enjoyed our victory, but, like, we had a pretty significant, like, we put a lot of work into that victory. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it was 10 months of, I mean, we put a lot of work into leading up into the convention last year mm-hmm. that we kind of built off the backs of this year but man the organizers of the caucus and stuff i mean i guess we should let people know what we're talking about here so yeah uh what's today today's monday following uh the libertarian party of pennsylvania state convention and um me and kyle are both mises caucus guys we just rolled in there and just stomped on everybody i mean it was it wasn't even i mean people were leaving by lunchtime on the first day yeah. crying literally leaving crying yeah there were people in the lobby i remember walking out to go to lunch and there were people crying but it, you know what's funny is that last year it was similar except for the other way around right where i don't want to necessarily say that we got our asses handed to us but you know they'd use the 180 day rule which was always waived every single year before and they didn't technically break the rules but it's a sh- really shitty thing to do to well, brag about new membership months, they definitely did break the rules last year mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't credential at least 25 people that should have been credentialed oh, okay. at least 25 right and then you know they set the precedent of bringing out-of-state people and mm-hmm. um there's 20 out-of-state people voting so if you right. if you take away those out-of-state people and you take away the 25 people that weren't credentialed last year's convention would have been totally different too mm-hmm. um which is fine they did their thing and they spent a year trying to attack us and trash us and say we're evil. And we want to destroy the party and everything else. But guess what? Here we are. And we're about to show these people what we're capable of. 
Right. And, and you know what? I do have to give credit to some of the people that weren't particularly fond of the Mises caucus that kind of stuck around. Some of them may not have been in absolutely good faith, but I think there are some people who kind of stuck around out of the willingness to work. Some really good conversations with people that, you know, believed the lies and, and thought we were here with bad intentions. And they, came, you know, I've been in this party for seven years, maybe eight years. I've built a lot of good relationships. A lot of the people that are active now, I've watched come into the party and have welcomed into the party. Not all of them supported what we've been doing for the last couple of years. I mean, a lot of them openly opposed it. But um, I got to say, you know, we know who the ones are that weren't in this for the party and who were because some people left there. Like, you know, first of all, go back to last year. We lost last year. We got our butts kicked last year. Mm-hmm. We stayed the whole entire weekend. We voted on every single thing. We partied that Saturday night, even though we got smoked in all the officer elections and everything. We had a great party that Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You know, we went back up on Sunday and we we stuck the whole thing out through and we came to the very next board meeting. We stuck it out for the whole year. Mm-hmm. These people, I mean, the amount of people that they quit in the last week, you know, like last four or five days, it's just crazy. Like, Oh, quit. No, no, I didn't win. I didn't get my way. I'm done. You know? Oh, and, and there was fraud, right? That's the number. That's the other thing that you keep seeing all over social media is that they're saying, no, oh, there was fraud. They, it was illegal. And there was fraud and there were buses and, you know, so there's a couple couple interesting things with the uh with the fraud um so there were i don't want to name all the guys but there's a bunch of guys from maryland that support a lot of what goes on in pennsylvania you know they helped me a lot with my campaign they were here last year as non-voting members they came again this year they were all credentialed to vote about eight maybe nine of them were all credentialed to vote here and they didn't vote in a single vote the whole entire weekend Till it came up to change the bylaw, and we did, we barely had enough votes in the room to pass that bylaw because we lost. We we were like just at the fifty percent quorum threshold, and we needed fifty percent to pass that vote. And you know these these out of staters who didn't vote on a single thing all weekend all stood up to vote to make sure they can never vote again in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so that's actually something really, really important that I wanted to hit on. I was going to put a little video out on Twitter to kind of put this out to everybody. Like, why don't these people who are so opposed to the Mises Caucus stop and think for a second? All these out-of-staters came in literally to remove their own right, or, you know, their own right by the bylaws to vote. Like, if you guys would just stop screaming and crying and just think about what was going on there, then you would find out, like, hey, maybe we're not that far apart. So the credential report says there was almost 80 out-of-state people out of 339 people credentialed. Um, I'd probably, if I had to guess, I'd say it was probably like 55 Mises, 25 non-Mises, maybe 60, 20 or something. But these people came and spent hundreds of dollars. You know, they came and they paid (laughs) for tickets, they paid for meals, they, they sold our speakers. You know, that's what they were actually really here for is to see the speakers and participate in the extracurricular stuff, you know, and they raised a lot of money for the party by showing up here. And I mean, we should have actually been thanking them for being here. And, you know, I talked to a lot of them. And they're like, yeah, hey, we're coming back next year. You know, they know they can't vote, but they want to they want to come back and support what we're doing here. Right. 
Um, yeah, and, and that's huge. And, and like I said, it's so funny. If they would literally just calm down for a couple seconds and think critically about this, like, hey, maybe our goals aren't that far apart. If you just talk to people on the other side and just screaming and calling them racist or say you're going to shoot them when you see the whites in their hoods, <laughs> then, you know, these problems would evaporate. Yeah, you may not like the messaging, but hey, if you really have a problem with it, then do what we did. Don't take your ball and go home stick around work out recruit us and you know we can all work together there's still room for everybody that left at the table but we don't want you here if you're just going to cry bitch piss and moan every single time things don't go your way right well the thing i've been saying all year too is there's only about maybe 10 15 people in this state that actually hate the mises caucus it happens to be they were the people that were in leadership you know who didn't show up to the convention right they're spreading this metric message message of hatred and convincing people literally with lies about us convincing them to hate us too and, and fear that we're here to do something bad to the party mm-hmm. and you know they convinced their friends to run for office at that convention for all kinds of different things you know statewide candidates officers everything else and they just left them they left them hanging they were like eh, fuck you you're not important to me right when these people gave them all the support last year and all the support all the way through this year they just left them hanging. Mm-hmm. You know, they had chair candidates that were running and all their friends, the chair candidates, people they thought they were friends, people they, they trusted for, for the last year. Right. Got the door on them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, you know, they, they were going to lose anyway, but they didn't need to be embarrassed. Like, Mm-hmm. They didn't need to have their friends literally leave them hanging where they're only getting 45 votes when it should have been 70 votes or something, wow. you know? And it just, to me, if I was one of those people, I would be really hurt that because of this little personal grudge or this, this false hatred or whatever, you just left these people hanging that you asked it to step up and run for leadership positions. You know, I thought that was, you know, our chair didn't even, didn't even want to come to the convention, you know, <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Like you were responsible. trip thing too. Well, you know, people have been really mean to me and, you know. I mean, the honorable thing to do is if she didn't want to chair, chair the meeting, uh, dog's in the room. Doesn't that always happen? Yeah. Yeah, mine's sleeping uh, right there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, even if she didn't want to chair it, she should have came and supported her friends and just said, hey, look, you know, there, there's a lot going on and I don't feel like I'm in the right frame mind to, to chair this I'm going to hand the gavel off you know that's the professional way to handle it but to put out some weird statement about how people are just too mean to her that she can't show her face you know mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I read that the type of character she's expressed all year you know yeah and it was a very passive aggressive kind of message that was put out to membership when you say something like that like oh I'm not going to you know, learn how to play this personal politics. So I'm not going to be there. Like you're literally saying you're not going to participate in exactly what you're doing. And now, it, year, they, were, they were saying they're being attacked by us and we're abusive. And there's none of that. It, there's literally none of that. I've been accused of abuse, libel, slander, all kinds of stuff by literally asking questions. Mm-hmm. I just ask questions and people are like, stop attacking me. I'm like, it's a freaking question, man. And like, if anybody endured any like honest legal libel in this party this year, it was me. Mm-hmm. I mean, our executive director puts out an email to our entire membership base 
full of lies about me, saying I had malicious intent for the party um, and, and everything else. It was textbook libel. Doesn't even sign his name on it. Writes it's from the LPPA. And not one single, well, actually one officer got, responded to me about it. Of course, that we all know Bonnie, you know. Mm-hmm. So Bonnie's my girlfriend. So she responded, but I wasn't going to accept her response. I wasn't going to put her in the middle of it. So I didn't ask her who wrote the email, but I'm asking the, the leadership of the party, who authorized this email about me? They, they refused to respond to my emails and stuff. So it, it, it's they, it's they really... Talked talk to me since, except in a, in, a, in a board meeting. But then, you know, I have, I, I bring to, I bring to the, the board, like, something needs to be done about this. I want a retraction email and everything else. And they suggest to me, hey, Mark, look, you know, we agree. This, this was complete bullshit. Should have never happened. I mean, this is the board, not our leadership. Mm-hmm. And But Mark, please don't force us to do this because it's going to make the party look bad. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to make the party look bad. So let's move past this. Can we all have an agreement that this isn't going to happen again? We'll put some policy manuals, changes in place to ensure that it doesn't continue to happen. And I went and I went to go and I work on policy manual changes and I, and I put together, I, I redid like probably one fifth of the policy manual for communication policies and stuff like that. And I thought I put really good stuff together. They blocked it from even being discussed at the first meeting it was presented. And then it finally passed at the very end of the second meeting. But in that time frame, they go and they take the newsletter and they call me out by name in the newsletter and lie about me in the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't they didn't care they knew what they were doing they don't care they wanted to 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 whatever backlash they received for doing it they, they weren't worried about it. as long as they trashed my name and the Mises caucus name and everything else but it didn't work all it did was was fuel our people and actually pushed a lot of people to our side because all these little dishonest steps that they took one at a time people were realizing hey wait this is total lie and bullshit. When I question them on it, they get mad at me, you know? Mm-hmm. And they spent the whole year trying to convince people of their lies. And one at a time, all their lies fell apart. And, you know, there was a lot of people at that convention. I mean, I know there's a whole group of people in like Northeast Pennsylvania that were voting our way. They're not Mises. They're not. They just know that. And they used to, they were recruited into the party by the, our, our leadership that we just removed, but they saw the lies and they, and they were honest, good people, and they decided to stand up against it. And they, you know, they voted our way this weekend, and you know, it was it's quite a thing. But yeah, I don't I want to dwell on this forever, but let me just I, I just want to repeat the fact that there were, you know, so if there's 50 people, maybe 60 people in the party that really opposed the Mises Caucus, um. 20 of them left by lunch the first day. Mm-hmm. Now, out of those 40 that were left, some of them were officers or, you know, our treasurer, um, chair candidates, committee people. They, I, I give them a lot of credit because their friends left them and they lived like, you know, our treasurer could have really screwed us over by leaving. And she, despite some of the disagreements I've had with her all year, she stuck it out. She collected the money. She handed out the receipts. She was at every event. She welcomed in the new treasurer. And these are people that I'm excited to know who they are, knowing that 
that these are good, honest people that care about the party. You know, they might have believed some of the lies, but at least they care enough about the, the party to not just say, I'm, I'm walking out, let this turn into a disaster. Um, and then some well-respected people in the party. I had a lot of conversations with, you know, people that have known me prior to Mises Caucus and stuff that, that have a lot of respect for me and everything. And they're like, Mark, I can't believe you're doing this. Like you're, you're allowing this caucus to take over the party. And I'm like, guys, just wait. Wait till you meet these people and realize that they had the same good intentions that you do and that I do and everything else. Like you saw that group of people there. They're just great libertarians that just love liberty. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they were brought into the party because they, they, they believed the messaging of the caucus. And then all of a sudden they come into the party and are hated because, you know, what they believe and the people they align with the most are, are just all of a sudden evil, even though they see it with their own eyes that, that we're not evil people, you know? So one thing I like to, I know I'm talking a lot, but one thing I really like to say okay. about the caucus, that, like, and I don't know nationally what goes on with the caucus. I'm just an exclusive PA guy, but I know that, I know that we recruited 400 new members into the party in 10 months um i know that we have a a signal chat with over 300 people in it that is literally 1500 plus messages a day and that chat is to me symbolizes what the business caucus is in pennsylvania the only conversations in that chat you see are discussing some kind of liberty philosophy event something i mean you're in it you know Mm -hmm. There's tons of disagreements, but never arguments. Yep. I think one person in the last year has been removed out of that group, that group chat. And we're literally talking 1500 messages a day. And one person was removed out of that chat and they should never been put in. They were just a troll that somehow infiltrated the chat and they were in there for like a day starting a bunch of trouble and then got removed. Yep. I uh, recall. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, nobody's ever been removed. And like, you know, there's some people that have come into the caucus and then they get like attacked by the other side and then they push back and then they go a little bit too far. And then people in the caucus are like, yo, man, you went over the line. And they're like, oh my God, I did. I'm sorry. I got, I got caught up in the bullshit. I'm sorry. And they, they like immediately apologize to us and stuff. So, you know, these are, these are like real kind, caring people in this, in this movement. And it's so much fun to be a part of it. And uh, you know, I've been telling Bonnie, my girlfriend, that I'm going to be stepping back from a lot of stuff because uh, I'm trying to get my house ready to sell and I'm buying, buying another property. I got a lot of personal stuff I got to deal with. And, but I'm like, but I'm not stepping back till after the convention. I want to see my friends. I, I need to see this fight through for my friends. I, I need to see them have what they deserve to be able to participate in the party the way they all want to, you know? Right. Like it, it, it. two people I'm really excited for are Laura and Matt. Mm-hmm. Good. You're good. All right. So I was saying, yeah, two people I'm really excited for are Laura and Matt. And I don't know how well you knew Laura and Matt before this weekend, but mm-hmm. You know, they're two real good people and their county wasn't having meetings, but they were doing the bare minimum to make sure that they kept control of the county. 
for whatever reasons, it wasn't even malicious. There was a lot of stuff going on in our county. But like they kept trying to get positions on committees and go to board. They were at every board meeting and they they wouldn't allow, like they wouldn't vote these people onto the committees and they were blocking them for participating. And we got these two really good libertarians that can't participate in their county, can't reorganize their county, can't participate on a state level. Um, and for a year, they just sat there and waited and waited and waited for a way to participate. Well, last month, they finally had a county meeting to elect officers. They both got elected. Laura's the chair of her county now. And then this convention, Laura stepped up and was the one that ran for treasurer. And she's now the state party treasurer. And Matt's one of two candidates that they're going to decide next weekend uh, who's going to be our governor candidate. And I really hope it's Matt because he's just such a good libertarian. These people literally hung out for a year while everybody prevented them from participating. And now, you know, they're going to get their moment to participate and show what they can do. So, you know, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, I have to stick this out just till after convention. Then I'll take a little break from everything and get my life together. But I, I wanted to see my friends be able to participate in this party. Yeah. And, and it's really awesome to see that uh, those two in particular, um, I didn't, I've never met them until this past weekend, but um, I always saw them in the chats. They're very engaged. Um, they live this shit, man. They fucking love libertarianism. It's all they talk about in the chats. Because, little libertarian daughter. You know? Yeah. Yeah, dude. And it's great to see that they're able to finally have a voice in this. And I didn't know that they were kind of like barred there for a while, but um, you know, like I said, they're great people. We went out drinking with them on a Saturday night I had a blast hanging out with them. And I mean, it was the same deal with everybody else. Um, these people are just regular people who are just like every other libertarian. They're good people and they want to make a change. They care about liberty and they just want to have a seat at the table. And the, you know, former leaders of the party just denied these people access. And they were very, very rough to a lot of us over the last year. But, you know, we didn't take our ball and go home. We came back next year, bigger, better, and stronger. And, you know, I, we kind of forced them out and they, it wasn't even necessarily we forced them out. They left on their own volition. It's beyond crazy. I, mean, I can go on forever about the stories, but like, you know, uh, my girlfriend who was the chair of Lackawanna and when, when, you know, we were together and stuff, she'd be like, I just can't get anybody to come out to my meetings. I'm emailing everybody mm -hmm. on the list. I try to call people, but nobody really seems to care. And I'm like, Oh, hold on. Let me get the Lackawanna Mises list. And uh, we'll throw a group together and we'll see if these people want to show up. And boom, there's five really good, hardworking people in a small county mm -hmm. that all stepped up to participate in our county. And, you know, they're doing good stuff. They, uh, they had a little anti-war um, rally a month ago. They're, they're, you know, they opened up bank accounts they're on twitter like they're, they're building this county committee they're talking about ways to recruit new people but the cool part is so my girlfriend's not mises technically you know but we all went out to dinner uh at the convention the whole group of us and man we just i think we sat there eating dinner for a couple hours because we were just having a blast talking and having fun and you know and there was no nobody's like oh they're in a caucus they're not in a caucus you know and it's the people that can see past that they benefit from what the caucus is doing. And then there's the opposite of that. So there was a campaign in Chester and uh, it was for mayor. And I went to meet with the person running the campaign and the candidate. I, I love getting involved in campaigns. 
And they're like, yeah, we, I was like, how many people do you have working polls for you on election day? And they're like, uh, not enough. We got like four or five or six or whatever. I'm like, oh, well, there's a lot of Mises members in your county. I could probably organize eight to 10 Mises people to work your polls. I'll train everybody. I'll get everything set up for you. And the campaign manager, who was the chair of the county, was like, oh, no, Mises, we don't want that involved in this campaign. I was like, what? <laughs> like, you don't want eight to 10 libertarians that want to get your candidate elected in this campaign? Right. And the person that was the candidate, she didn't really know what Mises was or wasn't or anything else. So, uh, you know, she was kind of like, okay, I guess I'll trust this guy that I know over some, you know, guy that's supposed to be really good at elections. So, you know, nobody showed up for it. Funny story, same guy, chair of that county. Um, I just found this out the other day. So there's a Max Stoner through the caucus, but we like came to the party through the caucus and everything. She's a Max Stoner, loves the caucus, loves what we do. And uh, he pulls her aside after a meeting and says, you know, you really shouldn't hang out try to keep your distance from these uh, Mises people. I don't know if she said white, na if he said white nationalists or whatever, but they made some kind of assertion that there was something alt-right maybe. I don't remember exactly mm -hmm. what was said, but made some outrageous assertion. She just laughed at him. She's like, yo, I'm here because of the Mises caucus. <laughs> like, you know. Right. But like, literally, we have county chairs saying don't associate with these people. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, dude, it, it, too, I, I'm going to just go on forever, so you don't get to talk to that. Oh, dude, um, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other thing that just cracked me up is um, Greg. Mm -hmm. You know, Greg was their hero that was going to run for chair, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the biggest caucus haters were calling my girlfriend and other people, like, don't support Rob for chair. You have to support Greg Deal for chair. Greg Deal didn't know that Rob was running and they're really good friends. And Greg, you know, Greg's great dude. Greg, Mises Caucus, Pragmatic Caucus, works with mm -hmm. everybody. But right. he really aligns with the Mises Caucus and is good friends with everybody in the caucus. So uh, these people are like, that hate the caucus are pushing him as he's like the godsend for chair and everything else. And then Greg was like, yo, I hate to tell you guys, but I'm Mises, I'm not running against Rob. I'll run for a secretary. Boom. They all hated him. You know? <laughs> they were just whipping votes like crazy for him for chair. And then they found out it was Mises. And next thing you know, he was the enemy. And they got to run a candidate against him for secretary. You know? It's like, yeah. that's how asinine these people, they don't judge you on who you are. They judge you on who you affiliate with, you know, and I think another funny thing is there was all this drama about out-of-state voters going into this convention. Like it was going to make a difference who showed up. It's one of our uh, faulty internets here. Might be mine, might be Mark's. Uh, I don't freaking know. But um, one thing I did want to ask you about: um, we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago about um, how you were doing when it came to uh, kind of door knocking and stuff like that. So um, I kind of wanted some of your history on how successful you were with door knocking, because we always hear that libertarians can't win or, you know, libertarians can't do this, libertarians can't do that. 
But when we had talked on the phone, you're over in what county again? Montgomery County. Montgomery right County. Okay. Yeah, I believe you said you knocked around Philadelphia and obviously Montgomery County, and you actually got like a significant amount of people kind of a little bit more active. So can you just kind of elaborate your uh, activism history and like what kind of turnout you were able to, you were able to get? Yeah, so this was my first serious campaign. I put my name on the ballot a couple times, but uh, this was my first real serious campaign, and I was, uh, you know, I had the time for it and everything. And this is during the pandemic, so it was extremely hard to get on the ballot. Everything's locked down. People aren't leaving their house and everything. So I had to get like 680 signatures or something to get on the ballot. And I started really late too. I remember having a hundred and I was reading old text messages or something or old emails. And I had like 147 signatures with 10 days to go. So I needed to get to 680 plus cushion or something. I don't know the exact numbers, but I needed a shit ton of signatures in 10 days. And I just called people up from everywhere and we just hit the town and we were just, you know, 10 of us at a time door knocking for 10 hours a day just to get the signatures to get me on the ballot. And I, I was real close to uh, the point where I could be challenged, but I had like a 90% validity rate or something, which is the only thing that kept me on the ballot. They couldn't challenge me. Um, so then we get into the campaign and it's now getting close to the end of August or middle of August and I'm finding out I'm on the ballot. So I got basically half of August, September, October, and three days of November till the election. I had raised no money, didn't have a website, didn't even have a Facebook page at this point because I wasn't even sure I was going to get on the ballot. Um, and I just spent every bit of energy I had getting the signatures to get on the ballot. So uh, basically my campaign was, you know, two weeks of getting stuff ready, setting up a bank account, a website, a Facebook page, um, designing, taking some headshots, designing some flyers and yard signs. And then I hit the ground running with eight weeks to go before the election. And I, you know, get home from work and jump in the shower as quick as I could, throw on some decent looking clothes and just start hitting the neighborhoods, knocking on doors, going to little markets, talking to people. And I estimate that I probably talked to, I, I probably got, you know, I, I went to some events too. I probably was able to talk to 6,000 people out of the 48,000 voters in my district is, is, was my best guess. I was trying to, trying to kind of find some metrics to keep track of this, but I was nuts about it. Like I was all day Saturday, all day Sunday, I was out finding people to talk to. I was talking to people at night, but I was talking to people all day and door knocking literally till 8.30, 9 o'clock at night till it was like pitch black. And I'm like, all right, it's kind of weird knocking on people's doors now. Then I would go over to the basketball courts and there'd be 20 people playing basketball and I would get them registered to vote, mm -hmm. to put them to vote for me, you know, and I would even, I wasn't there like, oh, got to vote for me or this. My, my favorite, I loved going to the basketball courts because here you got like a group of 20, 30 kids. I'm like, yeah, I just need your guys' attention for five minutes. And they'd be like, oh, whatever, no. I'm like, all right, see Jimmy over there. If I dunk on Jimmy, will, will you guys all <laughs> give me five minutes? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that sucks because I can't dunk. But now that I got your attention, you know. And I would tell them, I'm like, are you guys registered to vote? And they're like, no, no, we don't vote. That's stupid. And I'm like, no, no, you guys are all wrong. You've got to tell the other parties to go fuck themselves. And they're like, what? We could do that? And I'm like, 
yeah, when, when you don't vote, people are like, oh, this guy must just support what I'm doing because he didn't come out to protest me. So I explained to them that there's tons of different political parties that could start their own political party and they can all go write their friend's name in for president or state rep or whatever. I signed up tons of people to vote. I don't even know what party they, they signed up for. I showed it, gave them the app on the phone. And, but it, that was one of, my, one of my little ways of reaching people when it got dark. And it really paid off because I remember being at the polls on election day and people would be like, yo, I don't remember your name, but I'm here because of you. This is the first time I'm voting because of you. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun and, and rewarding. But anyway, I, I probably hit about one fifth of the houses in my neighborhood because I didn't have time. Mm -hmm. and I got some crazy numbers from it. So my district's a real high uh, Democrat, like almost 80% Democrat. And, uh, but it happens to be the Republican neighborhoods in my district are kind of in the outskirts and they, uh, the houses are real far apart and like literally got to walk down a long driveway to knock on the door and stuff. So I can hit like, in, in the more confined neighborhoods, I can hit five, six houses in the same amount of time I can hit one in the, in the other neighborhoods. So like there's this one district, it's Fort Washington, it's 50, 57% Republican. I didn't do anything there. Didn't even put a yard sign up in that neighborhood. And uh, oh, there wasn't a Republican on my ballot, it was just me and the Democrat. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, 57% Republican, I should do pretty good there. There's, there's no Republican on the ballot. I was getting less than 5% of the vote in those districts because I literally did nothing. Districts that were over 85% Democrat where I knocked on doors, put up yard signs, talked to people at the stores and the basketball courts and everything. I was getting 45% of the vote, even though was, there was a Democrat on the ballot and they're 85% Democrats. I was still getting 45% of the vote. People I was talking to, they... You know, we're so happy I stopped by and just wanted to talk to them. And then I was a real everyday person. They didn't care what party I was with. So the other advantage there is too, because I'm a libertarian, like some of these people have it in their heads. The Republicans are evil, you know, kind of like the Mises caucus is evil. The Republicans are evil. So you can only vote Democrat. Mm -hmm. And then the other way around, the Republicans are like, oh, Democrats are evil. You got to vote Republican. Yeah. But the libertarians aren't as evil. So a Democrat could eas more easily vote for a Libertarian than they could vote for a Republican. So um, I think that was a big advantage. And I think my best strategy was I had everything I did had, you know, my, my social media ads, my mailers, my little door hangers, the literature I handed out, everything was color coded. I did red, blue, and yellow. And basically red was Republican, blue was Democrat, and yellow was, I just, Took yellow, I threw all the libertarians, all the independents, everybody in one batch. So when I would door knock, I would color code my lists of who was in the house. And if I was going to a Republican house, they would get a red a flyer from the red envelope, which was Republican. But now as I was walking up to the door, I knew I was going to go talk to Republicans. So, and I, you know, I know that the Republican Party, these people joined the party because of the platform. So I know what they want to hear, you know, so I give them a libertarian message. That was what they wanted to hear. I'm going to lower your taxes. I want to protect your right to own guns, you know. And then I would go to a Democrat house. I'd be like, yeah, criminal justice reform, you know, change, change the prison systems, legalize, you know, weed, you know, all that stuff. 
And then I get to the independent or the libertarians houses and I'd be like, yeah, fuck those other parties, man. We're getting screwed. You know, we got to get a third party in there. And every, my, my message just resonated with everybody I talked to. I just didn't have the time to talk to enough people. I was really planning on running this year, but I'm moving. So I probably won't, hopefully won't even be in this district by the time the election comes around. I'm kind of stuck in no man's land where I don't have somewhere to run. Um, but yeah, I, I really think if I ran this year, I would have started already if I was going to run this year. And I think I could have won this district. I mean, with wow. the, the way voters just resonated with my message and were excited I was showing up. I mean, door knocking is the key. And I've told this to other candidates. They come back to me and they're like, oh my God, I did so well in the areas I door knocked. So I always tell people when you're picking a campaign, decide how many houses are in your district and how long you're going to need to get to that many houses and decide if that campaign's worth running or not. So this year we have a lot of state rep, all, all state rep seats are up in Pennsylvania. So there's 203 state rep races. I really want to recruit a lot of people to run these races. And I won't have the time that I really wanted to put into helping people, but I get messages from people all the time. Like, oh, somebody told me to talk to you because I'm running and I'll, I can give people a lot of advice and a lot of strategy and uh, help them sort out the data on the voter registration list and stuff. I learned so much, you know, with the few campaigns I've run. Um, I think next thing I got. Yeah, so I'm not going to be running this year, obviously, because I'm moving, but I think the next campaign that I run is going to be pretty successful with what I've learned and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited to, to find where I end up living and start meeting the people in that district and setting up to run because that, that's what I'm really passionate about. I mean, you hear me, I, I can't shut up. I just talk. <laughs> no, dude, you're good. That's why I started a podcast. But um, one thing that I found really interesting about your story is that um, typically you hear a lot of people say libertarianism is like strictly right wing. We should only focus on Republicans. Republicans are the natural ally. But, you know, as I talk to more and more people, I really do think it's kind of like a localized thing where you just have to see what will work in your locale. So, you know, obviously blue areas are going to be a little bit more dense. So it's easier to mobilize, you know, people to get out to a bunch of houses that way. But, you know, red areas typically might be a little bit more rural, like you were saying earlier. So maybe a little bit more difficult. But um, it seems like you kind of had that figured out and you figured out how to kind of pan your message to the individual. And it seems well, like it's really effective. There's a little secret that I don't understand that people don't know what the secret is, but almost everybody out there wants more freedom and hates the government. Mm -hmm. There's your 10% statists on the left and your 10% statists on the right, mm -hmm. but 80% of this country wants less government, wants to be left alone. I was knocking on people's doors. I swear, I was talking to 80-year-old people with stuff like this. So I would get the question quite often and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a jokester and I can't help myself. And I remember this, like, I swear they were 80 year old couple that's been in this neighborhood forever. And they look at me serious as could be. And they're like, well, what are you going to do if you get elected? And I said to them, I'm like, oh, I'm going to walk right into the state house. I'm just going to start breaking shit. And it straight face. I say it to them. They were dying. They're like, yes. Oh, we're definitely voting for you. We're telling all your, for all our friends to vote for you. Like, and I thought it was just a joke, 
But I started saying this to a lot of people and every one of them was like, oh my God, that's the best thing I've heard. I'm definitely voting for you. So uh, yeah, people don't want the government. Mm -hmm. And especially now after two years of lockdowns, they're like, yeah, get to help get out of here, government, leave me alone. Yeah, I think that's uh, something to be very optimistic about is that a lot of people don't seem to have the same appetite for big government anymore. And I think that's not only good for us, but good in general, just because it's so much easier to sell people something different when all you've got, especially over the last two years, is this overbearing, tyrannical government. So it's easy for people like us to sweep in and say, hey, we're something different and we don't want any of this shit either. And, you know, obviously you were effective in just telling people, hey, I'm going to go in there and, you know, there's going to be bricks through the wall. There's going to be destruction, but something needs to change. I think people are very, very open to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, running for office, and I don't care who you are, the first time you do it, it's a practice run. You got to learn the process of getting on the ballot and everything else. But it doesn't matter. Like, I literally put my name on the ballot two, four years ago for state rep and did nothing. I got like, 600 votes or something or 400 votes mm -hmm. i didn't know but i would go to my township meetings and i literally got like a standing ovation at the township meeting for running for state rep as a libertarian even though i only got 400 votes and didn't put a yard sign out to spend a penny i didn't even have a campaign uh bank account nothing i just put my name on the ballot right. um but yeah i got a standing ovation at, at my commissioner's meeting because one of the commissioners was running too and he used his last minute to give all the commissioners one minute to address the body at the end. And he was like, yeah, I just want to recognize Mark Pazako. This guy stepped up in the community, ran campaign. He's a libertarian. The next thing you know, I was just known everywhere as, oh, this is the libertarian in Abington. So, mm -hmm. but it was a great learning experience four years ago. And then obviously two years ago, I built on, on that. And I convinced 9,500 people in my district to, to vote libertarian. Whoa. Um, and that's no small number. That's the most numbers any libertarian candidate for state rep has ever gotten in Pennsylvania. So, and like I said, we have 203 state rep elections every, every two years. So, so you were running um, just against a Democrat and there was no uh, Republican of these races all over to, you know, people don't want to waste money in like a heavy Republican district or a heavy Democrat district where, you know, every year. Democrat gets 65, Republican gets 35. Doesn't matter how much money they spend, they get 35. They start saying, why are we running candidates in these districts? So this year, there's probably 40 or 50 state rep races that are un unopposed. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy for a libertarian to get in there and then just beat them with the ground game. I honestly, I don't even think it's that hard to get a libertarian elected in the state house of Pennsylvania. And I really wish I wasn't moving and doing all this stuff because I was really going to put a push towards that this year. And I mean, I'll help anybody that wants to help, but I was going to do a whole training program and step-by-step, step, this is what you need to do this week, this is what you need to do this week program with a whole group of people, but I just don't have the time for it. Right. A lot of people kind of poo-poo this uh, Bolton maneuver, but um, it's kind of changed the way I look at libertarians getting elected because we have a couple of mayors here in Pennsylvania and there's a lot of people elected like small offices, but um, you know, we don't well, know I'm that. The that I'm the one that is accused of absolutely hating the Moulton maneuver <laughs> because they voted against it in a board meeting. Yeah. Um, 
and, and you know, as chair, supposedly I was quoted as saying that I opposed the Moulton maneuver, which is absolute nonsense. I'm in the same county with Chuck, and I've been friends with Chuck since I've gotten to this party. But um, cool, cool little bit of history. Uh, in my township, Abington Township, I believe it was in 1997. It might have been 1993. I'm, I'm so bad with remembering these things. Um, it was actually the Miles Maneuver. And we, this guy, OB Miles, uh, came up with this idea that, hey, there's all these uncontested races. Let's find people and get them in these uncontested races. And in my township alone in Abington, they elected 13 libertarians. Now, they did something different. They elected 13 libertarians, and they sent out press releases everywhere. So it was a big deal that there were 13 elected libertarians. Our state party went and elected, I don't know, 147 or whatever the number was this year, and didn't even get a press release out. They used that as a bragging thing, like, oh, we got it for their little inner circles and stuff. But they didn't actually do anything productive with it. Now, we got 147 elected libertarians. The idea is to stay in contact with these people and have them build a name in their community and then have them run for something bigger. But yeah, as you were saying, there's a few mayors in small towns. There's a few city councils. They can really affect policy and stuff. And we also had some good mayor wins um, in contested races that beat incumbents and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nathan Job, who's literally just a couple minutes away from me, he was, I want to say, 10 votes away from beating an incumbent and an incumbent for like 20 years, which that's insane for his first race. And, and that's why I really push back on a lot of people, because there's so many of these paleo libertarians and post libertarians kind of coming up saying that you have to run GOP, the LP is useless. But like I said, I think that's really changing. And I think Pennsylvania is kind of set the pace for this. Right. Well, my problem with the whole Mises caucus doesn't support this molt maneuver thing, which is just absolute nonsense, because I know that three people got everybody on the ballot in my county and they were all Mises. It was actually me, Michael Heiss and Joseph Van Wagner. Mm -hmm. Joe forced us to get every one of our candidates on the ballot. We were out for every night for a week to get them on the ballot. So it's a lie that we oppose this. Um, they want to use the fact that I voted against it and I voted against it basically out of spite because it's pretty funny. It was a second board call since the convention and we're on Zoom. And somebody that's not even supposed to be responsible for our Zoom call kept muting me. And you'd put your hand up to speak and uh, you know, you'd get in line to speak and the chair would recognize him down in order. And every time I'd look, my hand would be down. And I'm like, I know I put it up and he put my hand down again. So every time I put my hand up, you put my hand down and my microphone's muted. So I can't even interrupt to say, hey, I want to speak on this motion. And uh, they called a question. And I was, I was angry. I was like, yo, you're going to call the question? I actually had a suggestion that we don't have to spend $15,000. We can have county affiliates and, and Monco would be willing to do this and stuff. And we, there's ways we could raise more money. And instead of doing everything with mailers, I have a friend that could help with digital and stuff. And there, there's more ways than just dumping $15,000 into stamps for envelopes and mailing them out. We could actually, right. much, I wanted to have some kind of productive discussion on it. Yeah. They would not let me speak. So when it got my turn to vote, I was like, yeah, you guys didn't want me to speak on this. I guess I'll vote against it. I was 
I'm the M County. So there's like 15, 17 counties that vote before me. They all voted yes. My no vote made no difference whatsoever. They all know this. The thing passed like 32 to, to one or 30, 32 to two or something. You know, my vote meant nothing. It was just a protest that they wouldn't let me speak on it. Right. And they knew it. But, you know, they turned the narrative around it. Mark opposes the bolt maneuver and Mises caucus opposes the bolt maneuver and, you know, anything they could twist some way they were twisting for the last year, but now they got nothing to twist. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to see the results of what, you know, you saw the candidates that Mises caucus put forward, like Rob Coburn and Greg Deal and yep. Bill Cox and Eric. I mean, these are highly intelligent hard-working people that really want to see good things for the state party why are people opposed to this right and i don't know how time we got left but uh we, i got to get a couple uh like a couple plugs in here yeah dude go ahead yeah um you're good to wrap you got um i guess yeah tell everybody where they can find you um yeah, well, I, get support you in the future. I got my disobey the local nutter shirt on <laughs> that i'm supporting here so <laughs> Second best podcast out there, you know, in Liberty and Health, definitely the best. But uh, Porcupine with Adam Nutter, I love that show. Yeah. So uh, I had had to represent his shirt. And then I got this cool hat, Butler Brew Works hat. That's one of our guys out in Butler County. There's a little brewer, a little brewery out there. Paid a hundred dollars for this hat at the convention. So. Better be, better, uh, better be the most fucking comfortable hat you ever wore in your life. <laughs> yeah, well, it did come with a couple six packs and, and the money. Went oh, okay, all right, all right. No, I can do yeah, it. I, I can do it. Party, and I got I got a cool hat. So, fucking right. Uh, well, yeah, uh, what else we got going on? Anything else that we need to cover? I mean, there's a million things out there to cover if you wanted, but I don't I don't even know what our timer looks like. Uh, it's eight, so you know we'll call it here. Um, yeah, dude, I'll have you back on. I know I told you I wanted to have you and a, a couple other select MC folks on and we could shoot the shit. Um, we'll have to set that up sometime soon. Right. Well, um, I didn't even let you get to talk this, this episode. So next episode, I'll let you talk a little bit. And then we definitely <laughs> got to get into to three things that me and you were both have in common. And that's what kind of why I wanted to get on. We just got totally derailed for an hour, but. Oh, dude, the floor is always open. Health. Music. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you know, blue collar shit. So, okay, man. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, the floor is always open. You mentioned on your show, and that's what you know got me excited to be on. And then I just went on a on a one hour uh, Mises Caucus convention tangent, which is <laughs> kind of understood considering uh, what just went down this weekend. Exactly, dude. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's funny is uh, Adam Nutter was trying to get me on his show, him and uh, Jacob Winograd, so we can kind of cover the convention stuff. But I think this kind of gets a little bit of it. Um, probably later on the week, we might uh, shoot that. I don't know what the hell's going on. But, um, you know, uh, I, story, I get... The stories from that weekend, where you, you could fill up months' worth of uh, stuff. I mean, yeah. whether it's actual convention business or the extracurriculars, you know, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. But anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun being on. For sure, dude. Yeah, you're welcome on anytime, and uh, we'll definitely set something up again sometime soon, dude. All right. I appreciate it. Cool. All right, everybody. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.